You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, smart down and it's called for another foul. Check Jacko. Come on. Jacko. Jacko's having some fun here. And we are back with another episode of From the Rafters. Uh, Sam and I are here on a Saturday. I forgot what day it was for a second with Bobby Manning. How are you doing today, Bobby? Oh, we made it to Saturday. I know. It's wild. <laughs> I, this, oh. this week was as long and, and, and tense as anyone could have imagined. Uh, but it was like the first week in 40 weeks of this quarantine stuff that actually felt like, you know, somewhat of a flow. So I wasn't too mad about it, but I definitely slept in this morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I woke up at like like 11.40. And then text you like, oh shit, uh, yeah, this is a reminder, you still good for news? <laughs> like, I woke up in a yeah, daze. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't much earlier than that. All right, all right, I don't feel so bad now. Sam, what time do you get up? Today, I got up at like 10, but right. like, let's see, yesterday I got up super late. Yeah. No. I, I think I went to, I think I went to bed at four every day this week. It was, it was. Oh, wow. wow. That's impressive. I mean, I, I can't say I'm too far off that mark. Uh, I, I host a podcast for my college, and I was supposed to do it at nine yesterday. I woke up at nine, so I rushed. I'm like, I'm sorry, my bad, my bad, and I like ran down. So I, I've been a mess waking up and falling asleep lately. But um, <clears throat> with everything going on, I mean, it, it's hard to fall asleep. Um, obviously, free agency's a mess right now. We're recording this in the midst of it all, uh, but. We haven't recorded a show since the Celtics made their draft pick, so we're going to talk about that briefly before diving into the mess that is 2020-21 free agency. Uh, so, so Bobby, just Aaron Neesmith. We'll start with him. Start right there. Thoughts? It's, it's, the name's great. I think it's pronounced <laughs> Neesmith. Everyone's oh, really? been saying Neesmith, but I looked up a YouTube video that night of uh, like Vanderbilt's pronunciations. I'm pretty sure he said Neesmith. Okay. I guess I could be wrong, but that's I what wasn't I heard. sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure. So, so he. I, this pick's grown on me more and more every day. Who were who were my targets at that spot? It was R.J. Hampton, who ended up falling quite a bit after that, mm-hmm. uh, which surprised me. And then uh, Precious Achua, who went to the Heat, uh, that was you know a big move there for them. They they got a pretty impressive center rotation there now. So it was great. This is a breath of fresh air. We just saw Ennis Cantor leave yesterday, and the thing I said about him all year was the Celtics haven't had a guy like that in a while in that role who can rebound, had the statistically best rebounding season in Celtics history. Now you have the first guy since probably Eddie House, uh, you know Isaiah Thomas the year he came off the bench, to be able to shoot, score in high numbers off the bench, and be efficient with it. It's college. It's the SEC. It was a down year in the NCAA as a whole, but 52% from three, mm-hmm. even in a limited sample size like that, was wildly impressive. And you go back and watch, they were deep threes. Uh, it was a pro-style offense that they were running there at Vanderbilt. Lots of movement, lots of screens and stuff, getting them off the ball, one dribble pull-ups. Uh, he was doing stuff that he's going to do in Boston there. So he's ready to roll. Like They, they needed a guy who was going to be able to help their bench right away, and in 30 days, when the season starts, he's going to be able to step right in and go. 30 days. Holy shit. I can't wait. It's super exciting. Plus, we're going to get preseason before, before yeah, that, December if they 11th. choose to do it. Yeah. So we're going to get early looks at these guys. Against now, it worries NBA me, talent. too. We heard from Austin Ames last week, and a bunch of other executives have said this in the last week, that they think the beginning of the season could be a shit show. Uh, we're seeing all these trades and deals kind of extend out. And you got to get through a quarantine once you get to your city. Uh, you got to get your negative test into the season. And, you know, this is the off season. How many in a normal off season, how many times do we see it start in June? And then there's still moves going on into August, as we saw with the Kyrie year. They seriously think that everything's going to be done here in two weeks, three weeks uh, for the season. There's going to be a lot of stuff going into the season, it looks like. And it could be messy. And, you know, it doesn't the Raptors just plan to go to Tampa yesterday uh there's there's all this yeah unplanned stuff you know the bubble worked great last year it was a huge success some people doubted it some people thought it was great and it undoubtedly was successful but they're going into a whole different game now with the spike we're seeing around the country I just hope it goes smoothly because they're moving fast no yeah I'm not mistaken we don't have a schedule yet either 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I love that you bring that up, Sam. I thought that they were going to do a division-oriented schedule and maybe like eight division games each team, try to keep it close, maybe do a centralized location for each of the divisions, and then do like a few conference games. They're doing the normal two East-West games, the normal four division game. Like they're pretty much doing the schedule as normal, minus 10 games. So it's, it's I wish wild. them the best. It's wild. And I think it's so ironic that they're going to Florida. Like out of all the states you could have chosen, Toronto. Like, yeah, really. You're going from Canada to Florida. Like that's just. Wait, yeah, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, it's the furthest city you could imagine from all the East teams or the Atlantic teams. The Atlantic, like when you think about it, is the best for this. Like New York's mm-hmm. four hours from Philly, four hours from Boston. Uh, you could have thrown Newark in there for the Raptors, and they'd be right there in New York City too. Then you got Brooklyn. Like it's all right there, mm-hmm. and you know they didn't choose to take advantage of that. I mean, they could have just played Providence, right? In theory, they, why didn't they go to Providence? That would have been yeah. But it, but it, well, <laughs> I think the Dunkin' Donuts Center right now is uh, well. First of all, PC will be playing. Yeah, I think. True, true, true. And also, I think, like, that's, like, the COVID, like, that's where we, like, have people get COVID tested. Oh, really? Massive amounts of people there. Yeah, so that could be a reason why. Maybe not Providence, then. (laughs) Well, the Northeast is the hot spot now, so maybe Florida is looking a little... Everything's the hot spot now. You look at that map, it's, like, red, red. There was an SNL joke. Uh, Trump was, like, the map's all red, and it was the COVID (laughs) map. (laughs) That's legendary. I love it. I, I don't love it. I don't love that. I love the joke. But uh, yeah, this all stemmed off our take of Aaron Naismith, Naismith, Aaron Naismith, the 14th pick. Uh, the second one, I didn't know anything about Peyton Pritchard when he was drafted. I had to look him up, do my research. Really? Yeah, but I I, I like it now. I, I love the pick. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on the Peyton Pritchard selection. So I knew a lot about him last year. I covered college basketball for two years at Syracuse. So this is a guy who... This was a guy, that's been my thing the last few days. This is a guy who uh, was on national TV all the time in Oregon. Uh, that was a great team last year. They were in the top 10 at one point. A four-year starter at a program that's pretty successful with basketball there. And he was the center of everything they were doing. The ball was always in his hands, creating deep shots. I'm sure you saw the game-tying shot against Washington to force overtime there that from you know, 10 feet behind the line. Uh, he's a 40% three-point shooter, two of his four years in college, uh, and he attacks the rim as well. The theme of the draft seemed to be increase the bench scoring. It seemed to be the biggest issue on the Celtics last year is you didn't have consistent scoring off the bench. Once Marcus Smart moved into the starting lineup for those bevy of injuries that they had last year, you're leaning on two guys for scoring. Ennis Cantor who's gone. Brad Wanamaker who's probably gone as well. So you fill that up with guys who score, shoot, do all those things at a more efficient rate. It'll be interesting to see if Pritchard's that backup point guard. If Hayward's gone, and we're doing this package that we'll get to for Hayward, uh, that involves a Miles Turner, a Doug McDermott, even a TJ Warren, as they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Pritchard's probably sliding into that backup point guard spot if you don't sign another guy. There's Ben Chad of Jeff Teague. DJ Augustine went off the market today. So the names are flying fast. I'm interested to see if Pritchard's ready for that within 30 days to make that adjustment to the pro level. Because we talk about Naismith's readiness. Uh, Pritchard's 22 for sure, so he's a little more seasoned than some of the prospects coming out. But he's still a 6-1 guard coming from the Pac-12 or whatever it is now to uh, NBA basketball in a month. It's it's a lot to ask for that guy to suddenly be your backup point guard every day. Uh, So I'm interested to see what they do there and if they actually stick with him there. Because it's a late-round pick. It was a guy who was ranked 37th in this draft. It was definitely a reach. Uh, they probably could have moved up in the second round and tried to get him and, you know, pick the Tyrell Terry or Desmond Bain as they ended up doing and moving. But it wasn't the worst pick ever. And again, people have honed in on that and freaked out about the draft. But all I really think that matters about the draft is you get a guy like Naismith and walk away and you're good. Mm-hmm. Sam, do you like Pritchard? I don't know a lot about Pritchard to probably everyone's surprise. So uh, I'm learning. Um I'm pumped. He seems like he's happy to be here, which is the most important thing for me, honestly. I'm happy he's got a good attitude, and he'll probably be able to contribute him being a four-year guy. You know, he's a little bit more mature. We'll see how that works out for him. You know Um, what's going to stick out about him is he is aggressive. Like He is relentless out there. 
he takes a ton of shots. He's not going to be afraid even stepping into the Celtics to try to score. And I thought that's another stark difference from the bench last year. The bench last year, they all defended. They all played their roles fairly well within the system. But none of them, you know, jumped out there and attacked. Like, Wanamaker would pick his spots for sure. Langford, every game he played, it felt like he had zero shots. Uh, you know, and there wasn't much on there at the wing beyond that. Semi Ojale, you know, Semi the whole thing of his Celtics career was that he was never an aggressive scorer. So they're mixing that up big time here to guys who are not afraid to shoot at all. Yeah. Um, Jack, I see you're checking your phone. I know uh, what you're about to say. Yeah. Um, I want to get my point about Pritchard off across first. Uh, I think he'll come in with the same maturity as Grant Williams did last season. And I think that will get him playing time in the system. But um, aside from that, Fred Van Fleet has agreed to a four year, $85 million deal to re-sign with the Raptors. Uh, that's, that's consequential. That's huge. That's huge. What, what do you, I mean, we're just going to react to this, like in, during the recording. And if you see us with our phones out, if you're watching on YouTube, that's why, um, I'm kind of surprised he resigned. Bobby, what do you think of the resigning? It makes sense. The vibe around the bucks has been that Giannis is going to stay. I know the Bogdanovich thing fell apart, but we've been hearing Giannis for two years now say that he's intent on staying in Milwaukee. Obviously, you hear that and you think of Irving saying he's going to stay in Boston and, you know, whoever else has said those things over the years. So things could change there, but there's definitely a sense around the Heat, the way they're acting so far, and around the Raptors now re-signing him that, uh, they might not have that shot at Giannis that they think they did. Now, my mind out of this move turns to the Celtics and what this means yep. for them. The Knicks were a pretty fervent team in pursuing Fred Van Fleet. That was definitely their top priority this offseason. They still have the most cap space of any team left. Uh, I'm going to pull up my Keith Smith chart there uh, and keep an eye on that. I believe they have upwards of 28 million in cap space now that they have to use somewhere Uh, so is Hayward their next guy we heard about Mm -hmm. the interest last night they're stuck on two years but they're going big for two years do they move to that third year and suddenly entice them more because as this Danny Ainge and Pacers stuff develops they're at a stalemate over that package so how long does Hayward wait for that how long how intent is he in returning Mm -hmm. home to Indiana the Knicks suddenly provide an interesting option here Mm -hmm. something I saw uh Stu Greeny just tweeted it literally 18 seconds ago he it's pre-Fred Van Vliet Ainge was willing to call Hayward's bluff going to New York and post Fred Van Vliet New York can up it to four years or three years like you said and then Ainge has to concede to the original Indiana price which is it's probably true because right now I think it's a lot of Hayward's camp calling the bluff of the of like Danny Ainge and the Pacers like oh because Ainge is asking for Old Depot slash Warren and Turner and the Pacers are willing to trade McDermott and Turner which personally I'd be fine with McDermott and Turner I like McDermott I think he's solid I think he's a similar player to Naismith which is maybe why he'd rather or Ainge would rather get Warren um but I I, I don't know but now, now that New York has the freedom to offer Hayward more years on that contract, um, it, it's definitely going to be tougher for Ainge to stand back because the Celtics really don't have any power in these negotiations when it comes down to it, right? No, they don't. Unless they want to keep them, which is still mm-hmm. an outside possibility and one I like. I've been yeah, saying from the start, just keep them. Like, I think that keeps you in contention most right now. It fills up the lineup to the highest level you're talking about. And, you know, to bring this back to the draft, what what looks the best when it comes to walking away from this draft? You know, fill out your big man spot with a free agent, maybe an Aaron Baines, as I'm sure we'll get to, uh, you know, maybe get some point guard help to uh, yeah, aid Pritchard's transition to that spot. And then, you know, the best wing you can get right now is Gordon Hayward. You know, TJ Warren, Doug McDermott, maybe some of the guys that are left on the market, they're going to be stepping into a pretty big spot in the Celtics rotation. Your third or fourth man rotating at that wing spot. So how much better can you do that? I still, I've been saying this from the start, and it doesn't feel like there's too many people on my side. Just pay Hayward. He's, he's a top 30, 35 player in this league. It's going to get expensive for sure since we're hearing about $100 million for the Pacers, but I think he's worth it. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I agree. We, Me and Jack actually talked about this before the show where, you know, he was like, oh, like, how much would you pay for him? I was like, well, I mean, Tatum is a rumor from 
Legion Hoops, is that who it was yesterday that said uh, he was? They were nearing the extension, the five five year max. I saw a bunch of Tatum. gifs. I saw a bunch I, of memes on I Twitter, like it. Bradley Beal tweeting a Brinks truck. So I assume yeah. it's it's just. I, good I think done. Tatum's deal is done. They just haven't announced it yet. Mm-hmm. So I mean, your money is tied up as it is for Brown and Tatum, and also Kemba Hayward, someone that you can pay over the cap. I think I think that's how it's going to work. Yep. So, I mean, why not? He's a good player. I mean, when he was healthy, he was just about where you wanted him to be when you signed him three years ago. I mean, you can't go wrong. And the injuries are like freak injuries. It's not like he's getting like, you know, he's, he doesn't have brittle bones. He's just getting unlucky. Like he broke his leg. The, the Aldridge screen was dirty. He turned his ankle against Philadelphia. I mean, other than that, he's been really solid. That second year, he, he needed to get healthy again. You know, this year we saw it. He was, he was really good. Yeah, is there is there no chance he goes through the next season healthy? There's certainly some injury proneness there. Those are some weird injuries that point toward this guy just being a little, as they say, snake bin. But it, there's not no chance he has a healthy season next year. Like it's it's not even Victor Oladipo who's played 60 games in two years. If we're talking about injury proneness here, and that's uh, guess someone that the Celtics want here, and he'll be someone that the Celtics have to pay after next year anyway. So like. What are you doing here? Are you playing for a few years from now to have some flexibility? Are you playing to win now? I still think your best roster, your best chance to win now is retaining Hayward, uh, maximizing the bench, and running this back. I agree with Ainge. It sounds like a cop-out, but he comes out of that Miami series and says, if we have a healthy Hayward there, we're in the finals. Who knows if you win? You definitely had some issues on the roster that would have been disadvantageous against the Lakers. But I think you would have been in the finals with a healthy Hayward for sure. So it doesn't feel like a real possibility right now. But, you know, guys, I asked this on the show last night. Let's say it's a McDermott and Turner return and Hayward's gone to Indiana. And I don't know. Let's say Aaron Baines comes as at the center spot. You know, you got five centers, mm-hmm. two good wings, an unknown in a rookie. Like, is that is that team better than last year? It's probably a step back. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree that the best path is probably or easily people just retaining are Hayward. Drinking the Kool Aid with Turner. I mean, yeah. he's yep. a solid player. Yeah, I like him. He's not that much better than Tice if he's better at all. He's just taller, and yeah. that's what people see, and they know his name. Yeah, he's got a name. He blocks shots. He's got the size. Like that's the stuff people like there. Now, I'll compromise on that with saying there's a guy who handles the ball who shoots the three fairly well, with some versatility on the roll, can play some high roll with some of the wings. So I think you could do some interesting stuff with him there. Almost Horford-esque in the role he would play on the Celtics. Uh, but there's a development curve there still, for sure. There's games where he's just completely out of it. The whole entire USA stretch there last year, and I keep bringing that up and people keep laughing, but it was Turner, Kemba, Smart, Tatum, Brown. That would be your team next year. And that's what Team USA was in effect. And he struggled. He struggled mightily out there. So uh, there would be a development curve out there. And I saw Sean Grandy say this yesterday. Would he even start over Tice? Yeah. True. I didn't even consider that. It's a point. I mean, I think Tice was really great. And people have a bad taste in their mouth after Bam had a great series against the Celtics. But, I mean, Tice was great all year. And before that series... This is something I've hammered on. Can you point to a game that they lost because of the center spot, aside from that series? Miami was a rough series for the centers. Yeah. I'll give them that. And it was pretty telling (laughs) that the series ended with Tice fouling out and Brad having an ounce of faith in Grant, no faith left in Rob, uh, no faith left in Cantor, certainly, at that point. Gave Grant a chance. He was good in the third quarter in that game. Went back to him for a minute in the fourth after Tice went out. And then pulled him and went with the small five guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that didn't work last year, too, of course. They didn't get to try it a ton, but that best five lineup didn't work for them last year. So there's a case for mixing this up. You know, the three cases. Your best lineup last year didn't work the way the team was built. Uh you, you want some roster flexibility going into the future. We see that they can't get in on any trades right now because all they have are really big salaries and really small salaries. So that's another case. And maybe, just maybe, you avoid a Hayward decline the same way that you did Al Horford last year. 
which I don't think is out of the question. You might be avoiding something here by letting Hayward go. I tend to have faith in him. If you asked me last year, I probably still would have had faith in Al Horford too, but it went the other way with him. So those are three uh, very good cases for trading Hayward here. So I'm not going to kill people who want to see him gone because there's a case. I just think suddenly you're sacrificing your championship potential in 2021. Now, there could be other moves here. Who knows? But you've got to hit a grand slam with this Pacers thing. And mm-hmm. it's right for Ainge to be holding out on it a little bit. Now, See, I feel the opposite about Hayward, that he's he's going to be better after they get rid of him. And people are going to be pissed. I just feel like fair. there's he, so much potential really for him to... I mean, like I said, this year, he was really good. And people yeah. forget because he came back hurt and played Miami and he wasn't great. Like, you got the Hayward you got last year when he was still, like, not really ready. Or, you know, he just didn't have the – he had the disconnect that made him not That's a good aggressive. Point. And, yeah. and let's talk about Horford. He's in Oklahoma City now. Uh, he'll have a chance to play there, probably be in a better role. Wouldn't be stunning for me to see him have a bit of a resurgent season because he couldn't have been in a worse role in Philly. Like, there was no role on earth he could have been in that would be worse. I mean, if you look in the playoffs when they played the Celtics, he was pretty solid when he was playing the center spot when Embiid was out. You know, he's on the bench. Everyone was like, damn, like, Corver's playing well. Like, yeah, he's a good player. And Any breaking news, Jack? No, I'm, like, watching for it. Sorry if I seem a little vacant. Something I did want to say was – Bam, I consider an all NBA level center. I, I don't think he made a team this past season. I think it was Embiid, Jokic, and then he's very Gobert. close to being the best center in the NBA with Davis. <clears throat> yeah, so I think he's also the quickest center in the NBA. I would argue, like, it, like one of the most. And I think that's why Tice struggled to guard him so much because, like, we we've seen Tice have success against these like all NBA level centers, like Embiid, Jokic. Obviously, he gets bullied sometimes because they're the best of the best. But he's more successful against them, and that's why we don't see the the like glaring issues that we saw against the Miami series. Because Tice isn't a quick dude; he's not a tall dude, but he's also not a quick dude. Like I don't think you can argue that he is. And so I think that's why Bam was able to just use his overwhelming athleticism and quickness to overpower Tice. But um, g- going back to the, the Hayward thing, would you guys rather? trade for like Warren and McDermott instead I think the Pacers are dead set on getting rid of Turner um because they have Sabonis but if you could get Turner and McDermott would you take that deal over a Turner trade because then you could just play Tice play Robert Williams who people forget about like suddenly for some reason that's a good question I think that's the question of the offseason I said that on a different show Mm -hmm. Do you trust Rob Williams going forward? It's an important question because if you don't, you trade him now. His value they don't have a, real high right yeah, now. They don't have he had a, ton, a really great bubble. Yeah, they don't have a ton of time left with him before he gets a new deal. I see the jersey there in the back, Jack. I like him. He yeah. was great in the bubble. He showed strides year two. He also missed 53 games during the season and had moments in the playoffs where he couldn't play. And it seems like the same issues keep lingering with him. And overall, like, was he more effective to year two? Yeah, but I don't think the key weaknesses in his game were absolved all that much. I like him. I just, does it feel like the coach here has faith in him? Uh, and is there a development curve over the next two years that could lead to him being the starter? If he's going to be the backup center for the next two years and never reach that starting role... I think there's a pretty strong case to trade him now and move on to Turner, move on to a project like Harry Giles that's still out there. I just don't know what you're waiting for if all of a sudden in two years he's going to be a free agent. He's not all that much better than he is now, and you'll probably just say goodbye to him at that point. Like You maximize his value now. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. He obviously, like Sam said, he had a good bubble run, but I, will he ever get to that point where he's – able to start the Celtics also have no height at center and I think that's why people a lot of people want Turner like the like guys like us and the people who just watch the Celtics casually like I the amount of people I see on Facebook Twitter and Instagram just barraging everything like we need a center we need a center bring in Andre Drummond bring in any any center that's over seven feet tall and I'm sitting there like what like what is happening right now like they're they're willing to give up the whole whole team for um Andre Drummond and 
I just do you think that height is like necessary to like win a championship? Do you think that's like why the Celtics are a step behind, or is it it's just not that important? <laughs> if height mattered and was the gospel truth, mm-hmm. Taco Fall would be playing. True. And there are a lot of people and <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people I yep. say that. That's another that's people. another popular Facebook take. Now Twitter hasn't been much better this week. Uh, yeah. Uh, Twitter melted down in an embarrassing way when Hayward opted out, even though that was pretty inevitable. Windhorse <laughs> said that was like a month in the making. Hmm. Uh, you know, whatever. So yeah, height it's it's about length now, right? Like Rob's six ten. With a six seven four wingspan or Rob whatever six, it is, Rob six eight, I think six eight. Yeah, so it's the same thing as Tice. Like you're a little shorter, but you have the wingspan there to play. Who's who's like seven feet in the NBA still? That's like really dominating. How Joel, tall is Bam? Six eleven. He's six ten. He's six nine. Joel's actually. a real deal. Joel seven one. Yeah. You, you still hear that Jokic. thing too? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Jokic. Wow. Jokic. <laughs> Jokic proved himself in a big way last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that team's legit. Bam 6'10". Bam 6'10". Yeah. So there's a few, but again, it's not something you're running into every night. Uh, the Pistons could be fielding five seven-footers, it looks like, <laughs> on a given night. But I think you'll have enough to get by them. Yeah. I uh, mean, <laughs> hopefully. Geez. Pistons. You know what? Let's oh, talk about free agency now. What the, what the hell are the Pistons doing? <laughs> like, what what is happening there? Do you have any idea, Bobby? I love I love posting that picture of Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, <laughs> and Andre Drummond, who famously played the three center lineup under I forget who coached that team. That might have been Gundy. Yeah, it might have been Stan Van Gundy. So now you have Dwayne Casey, who's going to be starting Blake, Isaiah Stewart, uh, Plumley, uh, whoever else is out. Plumley, Jeremy Grant, and Julio Okafor. Plumley a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, they gave Plumley. Well, I think it was like a three years, twenty five mil. Three years, twenty five mil. They gave Grant That's three the, years, twenty mil a year, sixty mil total. What? Now I love that Grant. I don't know how the Nuggets lost him. Like that's a guy you keep at all costs out there. They offered to match it. Guy. They offered yeah, to yeah. match it. He just wanted a bigger role, stunning, I guess. Stunning that he gets let, let loose. And I'd say great move for Detroit if there was context around him that said there's a situation here, and there clearly isn't out there. That team is the most strewn-together roster <laughs> out there. And they were in a bad place before this offseason started. They had a nice draft night. I like Killian Hayes a lot. Uh, and then next day, it's just like, what's going on here? Uh, the Isaiah Stewart draft pick too. Uh, they draft a center on top of all the other centers that they were going to bring in, and then they let Christian Wood go on top of it. It was the best of all of them. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get <laughs> it. Didn't like any sense. No, he didn't want to be there. Yeah, he, he wasn't restricted because he was undrafted. And his deal was initially pretty low. It was twenty three million. He backed out of it and got forty one after from Houston. Genius, uh, so. genius by him, but. Yeah, the deals have been overall a little. That Van Fleet eighty five is the most we've seen so far, right? I think so. I think so. so. Is a hundred is a hundred there for Hayward in this market? Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be actually what he wants, as opposed to what Indy wants to give. Uh, so if that price comes down on Hayward somehow here, uh, and it's going to be tough because New York's actually going to be in on him now. I still say you know keep him, even yeah. if it's a year or two. Yeah. No, I think Hayward's. I think he's easily the best player left on the market in free agency. I think he could arguably have been the best player in free agency in general, aside from I agree. Uh, technically Anthony Davis, but I mean that, that he wasn't really a free agent. Let's be honest with ourselves because he opted out of his player option and he's going to sign again. But that deal hasn't gotten done either, has it? No, which is odd, right? Because they've made all these which other. Still, I'm sorry, I was I was reading Anthony Davis. <laughs> hasn't Anthony Davis. Done. Well, what's it called? Woj said it could take a while. Because they want to figure out the structure of the deal or it's something weird, like that. Though, because they've made two big signings, right? And how much space do they have? Like, what what's going? Do they on? have bird rights on him from the New Orleans trade, or do they lose that when you trade for him. I don't know. I don't know how that works. They, exactly. they do, I believe. Yeah. Just weird. Just just weird. It hasn't gotten done for sure. But uh, I want him to leave more than anything. I'd love that. <laughs> There's no chance. No chance he fucking leaves. There. So There's I, not even anywhere he could really go. I uh, I hate to you know ask the question here on your podcast, but I want to talk about the Nets a little bit. Yeah, they're yeah. an intriguing competitor in the East. They've gotten better this week. Three good moves: Landry Shamet, Bruce Brown, uh, and they brought someone else in too, if I remember correctly. Um, but they overall, they're Harris. Joe yep, Harris. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. That's a so, huge contract, but I mean, shooters get paid now. 
So we'll see what happens with that roster if Harden comes into play. But say they're standing pat with what they have now. That's a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. they're scary. I think they're a top three team uh, in the East if it gels immediately. Obviously, you never know. Like sometimes, yeah, that, happens, that's the concern but... for me is the chemistry. Even though Kyrie and Durant are friends, so they say. Um, you know, we'll see. I think they're easily a contender, like regardless of where they finish in the regular season. If I had to guess, I'd assume like they finish top three in the East because like they have the talent to. But if like if they're like you never know with injuries, with chemistry, whatever happens. But I think they're easily a conference finals team at the at the at very least. So if I had to guess, because like you can't like Durant was hurt, but Durant's like what, a top two player in the NBA, yeah, I would Durant, argue. Yeah. Like, it's nasty. So I, don't, I don't think he'll miss a step. Um, the Clay Thompson thing, I mean, just to mention, that's fucking terrible. I'm pissed. Like, I'm so upset. Uh, but, but yeah. Then I that, think that's everybody's mm-hmm. – he's no one's favorite player, but he's in everybody's top five. Exactly. Everyone in the NBA likes that guy. Can't dislike him. But um, where do you have the Nets? You have top three in the East, top five in the East, winning it all. Like, what you think? So top of the East. I'm a little more – concerned about the Durant return than most people he, he it's Achilles he's a bigger guy he was struggling with it throughout that run in 2019 and remember he initially heard it kind of bounced back and then heard it again so it was a re-injury there uh, so I'm everyone just seems like it's a given that he's going to be back to the level he was at which I think that team needs you know they were a middling team with the roster that they had even with Irving last year so I don't think Irving elevates your roster to the highest level if you don't have the talent around him to make him that second guy on the team. And that's what Durant needs to do. They're going to be good. They'll be top five at the worst. I just wonder if you do that hard and deal as insurance in case Durant's not Durant. Like There seemed to be a sense that that would be too much going on there. But you know, Harden's been in that six-man role if Durant does take over that number one spot. Irving's been a number two guy on a team. This is the NBA. You consolidate talent. Um, you you hash out some of those depth issues that they have. A guy like Allen, a guy like Jordan Feuding. I would take Allen in that conversation, but I, I get why you wanted to window that down. So uh, I, I still think they should actually do that uh, hard and deal if it's out there this offseason. Because the team they have, I think it's so bent on what Durant's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it could go in the right direction. I just do you have an example of a guy in NBA history that tore his Achilles and you know came back killing it? I don't know. I can't uh, think of one off the top of my head. I don't think so. What did Paul George? No, he just snapped his leg. That's not the Achilles. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I could name guys off the top of my head who did tear That's their right. Achilles have, in general. You have, you have two guys that snapped their leg and George and Hayward <laughs> who got back. True. Probably don't have a guy who tore his Achilles who was back killing it. I mean, look at what DeMarcus Cousins looked like last year. And that's a heavier guy, but True. again, a bigger guy. True. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. I mean, yeah. Did Perk tear, tear his Achilles or his ACL in the finals? I mean, not that he really ever got back. When, when Perkins uh, hurt himself in the finals? Not that he was ever back. That was, was a that torn Achilles? ACL. Yeah. And that took a, that took a load off of him. Yeah. My question is, what do you give up for Harden? Would it be, you know, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Allen, Torian, Prince, and then just like a whole boatload of picks? Do you think that's enough to? Do you think that's what the Nets would give it give up? And do you think that would be enough for the Rockets to say, yeah, okay, I'll take that? Or do you think it it would be a no go? It's the best the Rockets can do out there, and I I love all those players. They're wing players. They're guards. Uh, they're guys who have been molded into a playoff team already. There's some mm-hmm. chemistry between them. They all kind of have that camaraderie. Be entering a similar situation in Houston where, you know, it's a coach, upstart coach and Steven Silas managing a young roster. They would just be scrappy and trying to fight out there in the West. Uh, so I think that's the best you can do if you're Houston. And the key for Houston, too, is they lost all their picks to that Russell Westbrook deal. So if you can reload picks, even if they're not the greatest picks from Brooklyn, you do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that deal makes so much sense for both teams. Now, has Brooklyn tipped their hand a little bit too much this last year or two with their obsession with getting rid of those young guys yeah. under Irving and all that? that that's that been tough for them. That probably puts them at a point of less leverage. We have to give up more picks there. I mean, they could end up giving with pick swaps as many as seven in this deal. So the price would be massive, but right now, you're going for it. 
You already mm-hmm. wasted a year with injuries. You're going for it, and you got to do it all the way. And the best chance to win a championship still is to have three superstars together. So I am all in on them if on that deal for them if I if if that's me because they're gonna get rid of those young guys no matter what. So why not do it for the best player possible? No, yeah. See, I've I've seen now it could be a massive bluff by Houston, but they seem like they don't want to trade Harden. They like don't. At all. But what are you doing? You know, I, I saw yeah. Kevin O'Connor write this too, and I, I love Kevin O'Connor. I respect his opinion. What are you waiting for? There's probably not a better package out there than what Brooklyn would be giving up now. Harden can always hurt himself, whatever, next season. There's no real gain by keeping him there. They're not going to be competitive. And I get that you can't tank next year because you don't have your pick. Uh, but, like, what are you being competitive for? Like, they, are they going to try to be miserable build? if they keep him? Mm-hmm. Yep. By the way. Like, what are you trying to do there? Like, keep him possibly? I know they offered him that extension and then build around him again. The ships kind of sailed on him in Houston. Like, they did everything they could. It stinks. I thought they would have been in the finals in 2018 if Paul didn't get hurt. I love those teams. A lot of people hated those teams. I enjoyed them. But it's over now. So just move on. Especially, they can't trade Westbrook. Uh, yeah, nobody wants him either. They've apparently reached out to 29 teams and just gotten no's. So you got to get something for this roster. But, like, what where does John Westbrook Wall? go? Yeah, does that, the, is that the way? Like, the the nerve on John Wall to request a trade <laughs> after not playing for, like, two seasons and being like, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. Like, what have you done that's going to make anybody want you? In the last, you haven't played in two years. And yeah. you make a lot of money. A lot of and, money. And Westbrook just terrifies me, being with any team of <laughs> consequence. Like, send them to Detroit, send them to Charlotte, where it can be all about him, and there's nothing else competing with him there. I don't think Charlotte wants anything. Yeah, Charlotte wants nothing to do with him now, I bet, that they got LaMelo. And again, if, if that's the case, like, who... This guy, he was the MVP in when, 2017? 17, 18, I think, yeah. And now he's just not wanted by anybody. And that shows how disastrous of a season he had last year. And let's be real, whether it was Harden's fault, whether it was Maury's fault, that move ended the Rockets uh, mm-hmm. and now puts them in that position to have to trade Harden. So it's going to go down as one of the worst trades ever. Yeah, it, it's yeah. crazy how like much of a difference it was between Chris Paul, who everybody thought was the one that was washed, and not saying Westbrook is necessarily washed, but like Ironic. I mean, Chris Paul had a hell of a season, and like he, we could see him have another great season. Now he's got a really great team around him. I love that Phoenix team. Yeah, mm-hmm. we missed out on them in the postseason after that eight zero bubble run. But Monty Williams, how can't you root for that guy? I wasn't a big Devin Booker fan going back to that seventy point debacle in Boston that drove, <laughs> drove everybody crazy but he proved it last year he proved he can be the centerpiece guy on a winning team once they got into that bubble environment uh, Phoenix hasn't had a lot of luck over the years they've had a ton of talented young guys that haven't panned out it's weird how just after three months of a pandemic some sort of switch just flipped and now all of a sudden they're in line to be a top five seed out west but it happened and they're there I found their picks stunning, though. Jalen Smith, number 10 overall. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of similar to the Cam Johnson one last year, I would say. Like, just a, yeah. a guy that was projected to go, what, I think people had him late teens, early 20s. 20s. Yeah. yeah, That was a reach That's them, someone right? I thought the Celtics yeah, should have targeted consensus. with 14 or 26. I think he would have been cool yep. on the Celtics. But 10? Like, I, I think he'll come in. He'll be a good... Uh, was he? Does he play power forward? Be a or is he more a backup center? Uh, yeah, I guess you could play him at the four-two big lineup. The two big lineups coming back a little bit in the NBA. Mm-hmm. The Lakers did it. I mean, the Lakers yeah. did it well. Uh, not that Aiton and, and maybe that's the thinking that, a little bit there. You're gonna have to need two centers to fight with them a little bit. And he can shoot. And he can block mistaken, shots. Right? Yeah. So. He can stretch the floor. So. That's he's the good. ideal from the four. He he's a great player. Good fit there. Uh, you probably could have traded back. And gotten them, which I guess isn't the biggest deal, but that's just you know good team management, uh, smart thinking that you would have to do. It's interesting, maybe you know Boston would have been interested in doing that ten fourteen flip with them, and you probably still get Jalen Smith at fourteen. But again, as Jack said, maybe the Celtics wanted Jalen Smith. Uh, right. Who knows? But that was an, that was the most interesting pick of the night, 
Um, any other things stand out to you guys from draft night? Patrick Williams at four was a little interesting to me. I mean, I think he can be good. He didn't start one game in college. Like he, he came off the bench his entire college career, and they took him four. Ooh, uh, he killed Syracuse in February. Really? I remember that game well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's I, uh, he's kind of a do it all guy, which is, I guess is what you want if you're a team like Chicago, who pretty much has something at every position that hasn't been unlocked. Mm-hmm. So you can put him at the three for uh, Otto Porter if you know he's not playing great. You can put him at the four if Laurie Markkinen's not on his game. Uh, you can even have this guy. Uh, no, he's not much of a pick-and-roll ball handler, but the, again, he's 18 on the edge of 19, the second youngest player in the draft, and if he develops into something, could maybe be your Andre Guadalla-type guy there in Chicago mm-hmm. someday. The hope for Chicago is finally, they've assembled like six young prospects over the last half decade that just all got wasted under Jim Boylan. Can Billy Donovan Jim finally unlock those guys? Jim Boylan, man, he's oh, God. Jim Boylan was a mess in Chicago. Do you remember the game where Dan, Daniel Gafford got hurt and he was just like, "Nah, keep going, keep just keep playing." <laughs> playing like, what the what the fuck are you doing? Your players hurt and you're, you're just disaster. Marketing gets worse. Carter, oh who a lot of people loved out of Duke, has mm-hmm. just done nothing in two years. Even the I can't even think of the point guard's name there out of UNC with the big Kobe, hair. Kobe White. Kobe, Kobe White. White. He was supposed to. He was supposed to be good. I thought he had a solid rookie year, but again, didn't tap into his potential all that much. Chicago has something there, and I think they got the right coach now mm-hmm. to unlock some of it. Uh, but what a mess they've been. Three worst teams in the NBA the last. There's four. Four <laughs> worst teams in the NBA at managing decent situations. You probably go Chicago at 26, or 27 rather, if I do math right. 28 would be Phoenix. Mm. 29 would be either the Kings or, can't forget, I forget my fourth team in there. But Timberwolves probably and the Knicks buttons. would be my pick. One of them. Timberwolves and the Knicks, I feel like, over the past decade. Or Detroit. Detroit's my third. Detroit. Yeah. Detroit, yeah, they're not great. But, um... um Bringing up draft night again, I think Denny Abdia fell a little bit more than I thought he would have. I like the Wizards. Yeah, that's a good fit. I think that'll be a good Wizards fit. He's got a little something going there. Now, mm-hmm. you mentioned that wall situation. Don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I think it's kind of weird to say, let's run back Wall and Beal the opposite way. About almost a decade after they were last getting going together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But around them, Isaac Bonga, Thomas Bryant. Uh, Jerome Robinson, who I love. Mo Wagner. They have Davis you know, Bertans have... got a huge contract. He got a huge contract. Mm-hmm. Him and Marcus Morris. Mm-hmm. Big they're, the, they're the youngest team in the NBA. And if you remember that last bubble game that the Celtics lost to them, you saw all the flashes there. And Beal wasn't Bryant even there was saying, for that. Come get me. Yeah, <laughs> come trade for me. He was killing them. And that's a guy I think could average eighteen nine and. Two and a half blocks next year. Be one of the, you know, ten fifteen best centers in basketball. Uh, don't love their coach. Goes back to OKC. Really botched those teams. I thought the initial Wizards teams that we talk about there, that were in the playoffs against the Celtics, thought he botched those years as well, and he's still rolling there. Uh, but the mm-hmm. talent's indisputable. Bradley Beal, this Nasty. guy, he's he's pushing the top ten of the NBA unimaginable that he was an All-NBA last year. Mm-hmm. He didn't even make the All-Star team. That was ludicrous. That was just... He averaged 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on. Absurd. Um, Outside of that, um, I think the biggest thing in the draft that surprised me... Uh, I feel like there's something else outside of this. RJ Hampton fell, but um, Tyrese Halliburton slipping to 12 was shocking to me. I don't know. But where'd he go? Sacramento. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor that guy. just seems like the place to go and die for draft prospects. So I guy. wish him the best. They they gave De'Aaron Fox a big deal, too. Is Luke Walton still the coach there this year? Thanks. It went so poorly last year. I don't think they fired him. Yeah, I think it's still Luke. <laughs> they're going to stink again. And they went to the bubble, and I don't think anyone remembers it because they just bowed right out. They were yeah. in the bubble? 
Yeah, they were in the point bubble. This this why? is actually something this, I must have ranted about this when they like released the bubble teams, and I was like, the well, Wizards. why would you even invite? Yeah, the Wizards. <laughs> the Wizards almost went zero and eight. Uh, the Celtics <laughs> didn't lose to them in that yeah. sit-out game. But yeah. Oh I no! Think... I thought you were talking about Sacramento. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, oh no, 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 no! Sac- Sacramento was there too. They were in the. Oh, they were. Yeah. They were. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, I would have definitely complained <laughs> about that then. If if you roll back the tape, I was complaining about that. Hey, <laughs> I was complaining about Phoenix being there. And that I went was a different too. Way. So I guess yeah. we're lucky. I guess we're lucky they did invite those teams. I didn't even know Phoenix was invited. I like I, I, off the start. Me too. So I was confused, but if I, I definitely complained about Phoenix. Yeah. I remember doing that. If I was the Kings. I fire Luke Walden and hire Kenny Atkinson. Like, why does he yep. not have a job yet? Why does Kenny Atkinson not have a job? Is it just no me? Sense. I don't get it. Luke Walden was a disaster with the Lakers and now with the Kings. And both of them had enough young talent to get to the playoffs. He missed the playoffs with LeBron James. <laughs> He's the first guy to do that in a long time. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, no, yeah. Kenny Atkinson coaching De'Aaron Fox. Buddy healed, maybe. If LeBron he James. LeBron, <laughs> going back to your thing, yeah. Man, I don't know. Man. They won the championship this year, so like no one's ever going to remember that 2019 season. But what a oh, clown show that it was, was! Magical. Oh my lord! How do you miss the playoffs with LeBron James on your roster? That must have been a and, dream season for Sam. LeBron and the Lakers both. Missed I the playoffs said it. And we didn't have sleep. a show at this point, but I was saying it to all my friends. I'm like, they're not going to make the playoffs. You just watch. They don't have a good team. Nailed yep. it. And LeBron kind of threw in the towel, so that probably left Walton out to dry a little bit because LeBron did not want to play with that team. Uh, but, but, man, what a they, were, they weren't even the 9th seed. They were like the 10th seed, 11th seed, too. Kings, Kings were the 9th seed, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> and that was annoying. Hmm. They decided to be good for one year, and they didn't have their pick. And the Celtics had the pick. Mm-hmm. And then the Grizzlies so, decided to be good this year when the Celtics had the yeah. pick. But, yeah. So, so what do you want to see the Celtics do going forward? There has been no moves. It is one twelve p.m. on Saturday. We haven't had <laughs> Hayward news. We haven't had Baines news. What do you think path going forward? Obviously, Hayward is a massive domino to fall. Um, but you know, just thinking ahead, what do you think they should look to upgrade as of right now? So, they're gonna have to get it out of this Indiana deal somehow, some way. If this is going to be built around Turner, which it almost certainly seems like it's going to, your center position set. Baines or not, you're looking good there. So how do you build this into a trade that could fill out the entirety of the team for next year? I think there's two creative ways you could do it here. TJ Warren, which we've mentioned, would probably be good enough to be that third rotation wing off your bench alongside Naismith. How do you get to him, salary-wise and value-wise? I think it starts with Romeo Langford. None of us are going to be too sad about seeing him go, I'd imagine, but I do think the Celtics still value him to some degree, put a lot into his development last year. I want to see what he looks like in a year where he's not in, injured start to finish. Uh, but I also think Indiana would highly value him going over there. Uh, wouldn't be enough salary-wise. Don't think it would be enough value-wise. So where do you go from there? Uh, you have Robert Williams, you have Grant Williams. So do you do Turner, Warren for, let's say, you know, you give up on Rob and it's Rob, Langford, and Hayward. It's a steep price, but I think that rounds out your roster mm-hmm. next year way better than it would have. Now, let's say they go the Oladipo route, which is not my preferred one because mm-hmm. I think there's glaring red flags there. But, you know, let's, let's pay it some attention. The Celtics have been shopping Kemba Walker. That's certain. Whether you like it or not, they've been doing it. And what does that say about his future health? What does that say about where they want to go with this contract that they have with him through 2023? Oladipo is definitively a worse offensive player than Kemba, which is why I say no to this. But if he can regain form in Boston's system, uh, be the centerpiece of the offense, and a willing you know, passer and facilitator for Tatum and Brown. Do you suddenly get more bounce there in 2020? Keep him after that and get more defense out of that spot, given his length. It's a good idea. It's creative. I say no to it. 
I think I like that Warren package better. But you probably think about that, right? If Kemba might not be right going forward. No, yeah, yeah. I think it's weird. I think it's it, it's weird to me because I didn't expect to see him in all these trade rumors because what they were trying to shop him and Hayward for picks to try to get Harden, right? That was the big rumor on draft night or surrounding it. But at this point, and Danny was apparently at Chipotle with Harden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a what a mess. It's just like. It concerns me because over the past season, I know Sam and I have had, I guess it's not really a debate, but I talk about the two timelines a lot, quote unquote, because like, obviously you have the Jays and the rest of the team versus Kemba and Hayward. And like Sam always says, right, Sam, you can have two timelines, be successful in both, which is fine. But at what point do you sacrifice the rest of this timeline so you don't lose Kemba and Hayward for nothing. And I think we're seeing that right now with Hayward. And then at what point do you start to see that with Kemba? Obviously, this was year one of his four-year deal. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to jump the gun on him because he's still an all-star player. And he was excellent, player. too. Exactly, yeah. Like, minus... All-star starter, by Star- the way. <laughs> People forget. And yeah, I think he's I a guy that. who enhanced what you got from Brown and Tatum, which is crucial. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, 100%. But could you bring in... I'm not like you can't get this. This isn't what Oladipo is, but a pass first point guard might be like ideal or slightly better for Tatum and Brown. Cause I think not that Brown had his offense stunted this year. Cause obviously he still averaged 20, but I think Brown could average more than 20, like more than what he did this year. It's a good question too. There. Yeah. And, and based on how Tatum played last year, this is a, like we talk about all these ancillary things, but their championship hopes do just kind of come down to how great Tatum can become Mm -hmm. he took a massive leap last year and he might take another one this year if he becomes their ball handler which I never ever pictured him becoming a lead ball handler for a team but that's where he was at the end of the playoffs Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden does Kemba become a little more respect uh, expendable in that uh, facet and you're so right about Brown Brown needs to be the number two guy every night on the team next year. Mm-hmm. And that's how you have to build this roster somehow to make sure that he's getting the second most shots, the second most opportunities every night. Part of that's going to be on him to become a little more, more of a self-creator himself. But also, like, again, there's another reason I kind of like Hayward staying because he's another willing facilitator to get that to Brown. I thought Brown always played well off Hayward, even though – you know, they kind of flipped numbers-wise when they were in there. But uh, how, how do you get the ball in Brown's hands more often? Does that entail getting rid of Kemba and having everything revolve around Tatum instead of just a bunch of different ball handlers? Do you want Hayward in here so Smart's on the bench so he's not having the ball and shots in his hands all the time? Do you trade Smart here? I don't know. But somehow, some way, you've got to... <laughs> get Brown the second most shots on the team like that's gonna drive me crazy next year if he has Mm -hmm. games where he's like the third or fourth leading scorer again Mm -hmm. no yeah I think at their peak I genuinely think Tatum could average 30 because like we're seeing that development right like that sounds excessive but we're seeing that development I mean he started the year averaging probably around 20 and he finished averaging 24 like February Tatum his playoff numbers were goofy what was (laughs) it like 25 10 12 yeah 10 to 12 uh, five assists, like five a lot of assists. assists. Like he was passing the ball super well in the playoffs. Like people don't talk about that enough. Like he was facilitating so, so well. And I genuinely think Brown could average 23 to 25 points if he was the second player. Like, I think we could have two guys averaging like 25 and above. And I, I know, I know that's a lot to say with Brown and maybe I'm hyping him up too much, but every year of Brown's career, he's taken a step. He was, didn't play his rookie year. Then he, he was a, a valuable bench piece. And then the next year, he could do a little bit more. And then this year, he developed like the ability to drive and attack the rim like efficiently. Every single year, he's added something to his game. And so you mentioned he needs to get this ability to create his own shots and make moves for himself. Who says that's not the next step in his game? I think yep. Brown could be, like, if there was a Harden trade, I'm not taking anything less than Jalen Brown if I'm the Rockets. And I'm also not giving that up if I'm Danny yeah. Ainge. So <laughs> no way. it's like, I think Tatum and Brown can average 50 points together. Like in they some did way. many nights last year. Exactly. <laughs> and I think they can average that. And so I'm not saying trade Kemba because I think Kemba is able or should be able to adapt to being that third guy. And I think that's partially why he struggled in the playoffs is my thing. Cause he was seeing less times where he was the second option and he spent his whole career in Charlotte being like, very clearly number one. So obviously it's a big change for him. 
So, like you said, Brown's got to be number two, though. Like, that's got to be the priority. So, yeah, let, let, let's knock out this Pacers trade before we get out of here and find that perfect roster for next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, let, let's hit that Oladipo one first. I'm a no on it. You guys, I'm sure you've both watched plenty of Oladipo. Does he fit in at a third spot behind Brown and Tatum comfortably? I don't like Oladipo. I don't like him. I don't think I don't think he's the best option, but I mean, he might. You never know. I'm not, like I'm, I'm not high on it at all, but I'm I'm always more positive towards things like that. He's a guy who plays a lot with the ball in his hand, so I'm a no there. I think maybe you hold out for Warren. It'd be tough to send Rob, but again, you get Tyson Turner. Turner. That should be enough at center. Maybe sign Aaron Baines. And Grant Warren, can play center. Grant can play center too. Like he's short, but like he was successful yep. for stretches. And he probably had more success last year than Rob start to finish. Agreed. Uh, if you're looking at the entirety of the season. So Warren's your steady bench scorer. Maybe starts over Smart so Smart can facilitate with the bench. I know that guy's a shot chucker, but again, you need a little more shot chucking off the bench and less zero field goal attempts games. Uh, and then, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you're talking about Turner doing some high-low passing with Brown on cuts, uh, being a willing passer to Tatum. That team's looking pretty good. It kills me to see Hayward go, but I think if you get that return here, you're looking at a pretty good roster for next year with a starting lineup of Turner or Tice, uh, Smarter Warren, Brown, Kemba, and Tatum. Mm-hmm. An idea that hasn't been thrown out there that I'm like intrigued by, because r- right now the stalemate is the Pacers want to give up Turner and McDermott, and the Celtics want instead of McDermott Oladipo and Warren or or Warren. Right? Is that that's mm-hmm. the general consensus right now? So you mentioned throwing in Rob and or Langford. Do you think if Danny Ainge enticed the Pacers with Langford, Langford and or Rob, they could get Turner, Warren, and McDermott? Uh, so they have a $7 million trade exception from those center deals that they did. So they have a little more money to send out than they would have to in player value. I think you could do that. Would you uh, do it's that? Just ro- it's roster spots now. Uh, you could cut green. I mean, Ojale. Ojale could go. Or coming back. Ojale's gone. Wanamaker, You're trading out three. Cantor. Wanamaker's gone. So it would slide in there. Would wow. you would you do that? Do you think that I think that would give more depth, more consistency off the bench with McDermott's shooting? He's an elite shooter at this point. Yeah, he's he's a seven million guy expiring contract. I would do that. I would do that for sure. And I, again, people are worried right now because Danny's holding out for this. Uh, the Knicks are floating there as a possible destination for Hayward, and then you lose him for nothing, which. We haven't even talked about because it would just be so disastrous if Hayward walks for just like an exception or whatever. <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. if you're Ainge, you also just can't take McDermott and Turner. It's not enough. Yeah, uh, no. you got to get something else out of there to have a championship team next year. And Sam, your two t- two timeline thing is right, but man, you got to maximize now too because they were so close last year. And when you're in championship, oh, I'm, I'm not on the two timelines. I think no, I, I think that you can have. You can have – so, like, the the example I bring up when anyone talks about this is, like, you look at Larry Bird's career. Yes, he had Mikhail and Parrish with him. But, like, at the beginning they had Tiny as the point guard, Tiny Archibald. And then they bring in DJ later on. So, I mean, there are spots you can just fill with, I guess, role and players. And that's that Kemba, know. yeah. Yeah. That Kemba spot. I'm so interested. We've heard so little about Kemba except the fact that he's been marketed, uh, which I think is telling in itself. Do you, does he get involved in this deal? When this deal ends, do they still look for spots for him? I think that's so intriguing. And it's a year after they sign him, which is like, Don't wow, that, that is aggressive. That is aggressive GMing from Ainge. And again, somehow this guy has the reputation that he just sit back and relax and doesn't complete deals mm-hmm. which is that we've already seen two deals this summer and people are still thinking that he's just <laughs> complacent like right i does anyone remember 2013 the 15 when there was like 50 trades i don't know where that take comes from no yeah because they didn't get davis i guess exactly it comes from the people who only care about the trades for top 10 players in the nba which are almost like completely impossible like what we've seen two three trades of those in the past decade like just because and you, Danny and it's Ainge, a heavy price yeah exactly and he's being smart and the people who do make those trades are 
giving up their entire future. Like, like the Westbrook trade. Sam Presti is a genius. Like, scammed the shit out of Houston at this point. The Lakers, obviously it worked out for them, but they traded away their entire future. Like, LeBron AD gone, they're rebuilding again. Immediately. And, uh, like, AD's still younger, but, like, LeBron is obviously older, but he's still LeBron. But they gave up their entire future. And then, I'm trying to think of more deals. Paul George to the Clippers. We all saw how playoff P worked out. Scammed. Both Paul George deals. You what? By the way. Both, both of them. The common thread there is you got players dictating the organizational moves, which has never worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cleveland held out at the very end with LeBron. He was still trying to dictate deals in 2018. And they said no. They didn't trade that Brooklyn trade uh, de- or pick like the, he, they wanted him to because they knew he was out. Uh, and they stopped letting him dictate at that point. Mm-hmm. They made moves to give themselves flex- future flexibility. And they're not in a much better spot than they were when they left when he left the first time. Uh, but they're in a better spot than when he left the first mm-hmm. time. So this is, you know, you're going to toe that line now with Tatum because you're going to need to do what Tatum wants. I don't think Tatum's reached that point where he's dictating roster stuff yet, but he's getting to a place where he's going to be that level mm-hmm. of a star. And the Celtics like running their organization for the team's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where they run the conflict with Irving last year. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to toe that line into the mm-hmm. future. But uh, I don't think we're there quite yet. Yeah. People got to lay off Danny Ainge a little bit. And yeah, I, I know you got to run, Bobby, so we'll start to wrap it up here. But uh, the final thoughts on the off season, and then, you know, tell everybody where to follow you and all that good stuff. So yeah, we'll wrap up. Here. Well, we'll be, uh, we'll be broadcasting almost every day. It seems like at CLNS media um, <laughs> on our garden report there. It's staying been busy, staying busy. <laughs> yeah. Celtics blog. I'll be writing about Miles Turner uh, tonight. Um uh, and that real Bob Manning on Twitter tweeting plenty into the night. Mm-hmm. Gonna be a busy few days, and like Bobby said, follow him at real Bob Manning on Twitter. You guys can follow us at Bannertown USA. Uh, thank you to Bobby. Huge thank you for coming on the show today. It was a fun time, and uh, thank you. Yeah, Sam. Appreciate you, can, you guys always. Yep, and Sam, you can wrap us up right here. Yep. Follow Bobby at real Bob Manning. Follow Jack at Jack Simone NBA. Follow me at Bannertown Sam. That's our show for today. Goodbye.